At CIA, we work around the clock and across the globe to help keep Americans and others around the world safe. Secrecy is often vital to our work. But we're committed to sharing what we can, when we can. So let us be your guides around the halls of Langley as we open our files and speak with those who have dedicated themselves to this mission. These are their stories. This, this is, is The Langley, Langley Files. Surrounded by vibrant green forests, CIA's modernist, multi-building headquarters in Langley, Virginia, is known as one of the most carefully secured facilities in the world. Within it, every day, agency officers coordinate intelligence operations overseas, analyze the highly classified information those operations yield, and perform the range of support functions necessary to make all of that possible, enabling CIA to be America's first line of defense. But who defends those CIA officers? Who keeps the critical hub of agency operations, CIA headquarters, secured? Well, today on the Langley Files, you're going to learn about one critical component. His name is David, and we're about to sit down with him. I'm Dee. I'm Walter. Welcome back to the Langley Files. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I know that Walter and I are really excited to sit down with you, David, and we really appreciate your time being here on the Langley Files. We're all uh, very appreciative of the work that you do here for the agency. Yeah, uh, David, I have a lot of favorite people at CIA, uh, which is a phrase that you should be really careful saying in certain contexts around the world. Uh, But you are definitely on my list, and I know so many folks here, Mm -hmm. your professional and yet affable uh, presence here at Langley. So uh, we're excited to sit down with you. Yeah, absolutely. Like I'd mentioned before, I've been listening to the Langley Files uh, since season one, episode one, and fast forward to now, it's just it's truly an honor to to be a guest on the show and kind of give you guys a glimpse of the world that we live in. And we appreciate that. Well, he's a premium subscriber. True. Uh, it's good to know. Good to know. <laughs> just kidding. We don't. I didn't even that. know that was a thing, but <laughs> I'm definitely doing it. We don't <laughs> so, uh, you're a security protective officer here at CIA, a position that many listeners might not be familiar with off the bat. Can you tell us a little bit about your job and its key responsibilities? Absolutely. So as a security protective officer for the Central Intelligence Agency, we are sworn federal law enforcement officers. And our key responsibility really is we're the first line of defense here at Langley. We're out the gates, we're outside, making sure that those people who we don't want here uh, don't come in to allow those key personnel you know, inside the buildings to be able to conduct the work that they need to on a day in, day out basis. Great. And just to provide some kind of insider baseball here to our listeners, you're a security protective officer. Uh, we call those lovingly spos here at the yeah. agency. So your role falls under the directorate of support. And the directorate of support, if you're thinking of this organizationally, this particular cadre of occupations is really what helps to let the agency function and complete its mission. So think about logistics, finance, we have HR, general support, and then of course our security officers. We even have doctors, nurses, medical staff, firefighters. So it's a unique accumulation of different occupations to make sure that things function well here. So I just wanted to give people that kind of insight before we get too far into this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So actually, and before we dive into more about the job, could you tell us about your own background? Because you had a cool story before even joining CIA. 
Yeah, so I, I joined the Marine Corps uh, right out of high school, and I started as an avionics technician where I was assigned out in California working on uh, Hueys and Cobras, which was a super cool opportunity and a really awesome job to really just kind of get my feet wet and figure out what was what in the military. And as I learned a little bit more, I switched gears and switched over to being a Marine security guard. And with that, I was able to travel for essentially three years straight. I spent time in Baghdad, Iraq, Kishinaw, Moldova, and Beijing, China. And then to tie into there, uh, my follow-on job after the Marine Corps, I was a contractor for the U.S. State Department, Bureau of Diplomatic Security. Uh, from there, I really kind of just hit the ground running with trying to figure out what was what in the, in the civilian world and trying to adjust uh, for life after the military. Um, a lot of cool opportunities that all of those jobs entailed, which ultimately led me to where I'm at today. Just for my own curiosity, yeah. what's a Huey and a Cobra? Oh, it is uh, two two major types of uh, helicopters that the Marine Corps was okay. still using to today. Very cool. So yeah, cool. and those are it's a very wide range of locations that you've worked at. Did you yeah. have a preference of location when you're out there? Yeah. So honestly, Baghdad, Iraq was probably my favorite place to be. Um, it sounds a little weird thinking that a, a war zone is going to be you know someone's favorite spot, but really it comes down to people. Um, you have a lot of really awesome people from the Marines that I served with to our um, law enforcement partners that were out there. It was just such an incredible staff being out there that it made the time fly by. It made the long days and, and the hot days all worth it in the end. That's fair. Okay. And, and so in those three locations overseas, you were securing U.S. embassies in Iraq, Moldova, and China. That's correct. Yeah. So uh Similar to being a SPO here at headquarters, we uh, were the first line of defense over there. We were really the only line of defense over there, which kind of really put that much more emphasis on the job that we were doing. Mm -hmm. um, we were we were all we had. Mm -hmm. So in the event that something happened where an embassy needed to be uh, evacuated or secured uh, due to whatever incidents may take place, even all the way down to natural disasters, mm -hmm. Marine security guards are the first element that's going to be on scene to help Americans and locals who uh, are employed by the embassy. Hmm. Yeah. I'm sure just a wide range of experiences that you had while doing the, those particular roles. And you talked about, you know, kind of that led to this, but you've only been with us for a little over a year, if I'm correct in that. Yes. Right? So at the end of the day, you're, you're done with, with those assignments. What was it that actually was like, you know, CIA might be the place for me. What made you want to apply to, to work here? So I didn't even know that the life of a SPO was actually a thing until I had a personal connection with the agency and a dear friend said, hey, I think this would be a good role for you to kind of slide into. Life after the military can sometimes be uncertain, but I think this would be a good fit for you. And at that point in my life, I wasn't in a position to close any doors. I was uh, willing to to take on you know whatever really kind of fell in my lap. So when I transitioned out of the military, uh, truthfully, I just started sending applications out to, to any law enforcement agency, whether that be federal or state or local. Mm -hmm. And I told myself, doesn't matter who it is, but whichever one calls me back first, I, I'm gonna give them the time, the effort, and the energy because they're mm -hmm. willing to do that for me. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, the CIA called me back first. It was <laughs> it was of complete shock. You heard um, folks, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they did and, and I'm I'm extremely thankful, you know, that they did because it's been such a cool opportunity so far. Very cool. Now I was gonna just point out I feel that 
Walter has a similar story. He threw out some applications, and <laughs> ironically, CIA was the the first to call you back. Yeah, right? I was actually thinking that as he was telling that story, yeah. David. I um, yeah, I did the same thing. I put out a bunch of applications to a bunch of different you know parts of the government and, and some other uh, places, and uh, and I was stunned when CIA got back to me first. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it was it was super. Um, it left me speechless. Really, it did. Yeah. Uh, thinking that the CIA, you know, the one that everyone hears about from when they're a child to you know, their current period in life uh, is calling me back. It was it was truly just such a surreal phone call to receive. Sure. That's the exact word I was going to use. It's hey, surreal. All yeah. Right, yeah. All right. um, so zooming out, what kind of skills and experiences does it take to become a SPO here at CIA? Uh, it seems like your background, David, clearly set you up for so many of them. But for someone who didn't necessarily guard embassies with the U.S. Marines, what are the job qualifications? You know, we really look for just such a wide variety of people. And I think that's the super interesting part about the federal government in general is it's not necessarily, oh, we're looking for this specific degree or this specific background. It's just such a diverse playing field, essentially, to a lot broader of an audience that you know may have interest in applying here. So recognize what you just said, and not everybody has the same experience that you have coming into a job like this. Is there something in particular, whether it's a particular skill or personality trait that kind of binds you all together as like a cohort of what makes up our spouse here? You know, while having the prior law enforcement and the prior military is such a a invaluable thing to have coming here, really it's just having those officers who are willing to show up every day, put their best foot forward, uh, and really just provide that service to you know, Langley and uh, be able to provide the support that's necessary to allow, like I had mentioned, everyone inside to do their job safely and with the reassurance that that we're here and we have their back. Makes sense. Absolutely. So is there an entrance exam or some kind of, you know, qualifier? Absolutely. So what will end up happening is you'll submit, you know, all the documents that are required of you online. And from there, you'll end up getting a conditional offer of employment. From there, you'll be in touch with an HR specialist who will kind of guide you throughout the process, letting you know what you need to do from personality exams to providing more documentation. Uh, and then you'll also be required to do essentially like a, a pre-employment uh, physical fitness test, mm. right? Because we, uh, as law enforcement entities for the CIA, right, we do need to make sure we have a level of physical fitness to be able to respond and, and perform the actions that are required of us. So. I was going to ask, what's the physical fitness requirement like? Yeah, absolutely. The self-administered physical efficiency battery exam that you'll do prior to uh, applying or when you're in in the application process is going to consist of a 1.5-mile run, a 300-meter sprint, uh, max push-ups in a one-minute time period, and you're going to do a a sit and reach. There's no swimming requirement? No swimming. Yeah, it's good. It's good to know. No I just swimming. wanted to <laughs> clarify that. Every other thing, but not swimming. No swimming. <laughs> so you guys go through the entrance exam and you start. Now you have to go through, I'm assuming, some kind of formal training, right? So could you share a little bit about what that experience was for you? Was anything standing out as particularly unique about the agency's training for this particular role? So once you get onboarded and, and you're hired and you're, you're starting your first day at CIA, you're going to end up going to what we call a pre-FLETSI time period. Uh, FLETSI is the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center, which is located down in Glencoe, Georgia. It's a 12-week long training period that 90-plus federal agencies send their police officers to to ensure that everyone's kind of on the same sheet of music when it comes to the level of policing that's provided by those respective agencies. So uh, 
prior to going down, you're going to start learning really just kind of what it is to be a SPO, right? You want to learn a lot of the terminology and um, just trying to figure out, you know, what the best tips and tricks are to, to master the trade in the smallest amount of time, right? To be as efficient as possible. And then you're going to go down to Fletzy, the 12-week period where you're going to go over everything from firearms to legal training to defensive tactics and driving and, and so much more in this jam-packed 12-week course. Any standout memories from the course? So after going through Marine Corps training, I knew that it was going to be uh, a level of difficulty, um, but really it was really heavy on the, on the schooling. But the firearms was always a great time uh, to get out and really become proficient with the firearm, whether you had shot before or this was your first time. That's what made it really great about this course is everyone was really on the same page, all the way up to driving cars at an accelerated rate on a controlled racetrack. Uh, that consisted of basically a pursuit, and through that we were required of uh, our instructors to perform certain tasks and be able to point out key pieces of information, essentially trying not to drive faster than we can think, which was uh, difficult at times. Oh, wow. Not drive faster than you can think. Yeah. That's interesting. Wow. When we were chatting earlier, you mentioned something about a skid pad and evading cones. Could we, could we yeah. sort of unspool that a little bit? Oh, for sure. So that was definitely one of the highlights of uh, my time down at Fletzy. Uh, we go through uh, basically being able to manipulate your vehicle in the event that you're hydroplaning or you're, you're coming across a body of water where you're, you're losing control of your vehicle. So they would set up a series of obstacles with cones and the entire concrete pad would just be slick with water and we would be driving at 30, 40, 50 miles an hour, sometimes 60, and we would hit an uncontrolled spin and we had to be able to manipulate the vehicle um, to a safe halt or to a safe uh, direction to ensure, you know, really in the real world sense, you know, we're not going to injure anyone else. Mm -hmm. We're not going to injure ourselves. Uh, we're going to try and preserve that order as much as we can mm -hmm. uh, with that additional training that we'd received. While in pursuit of another vehicle. While in pursuit of another vehicle at times. So, wow. yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely not what the normal person may think about <laughs> it, but uh, now it's definitely uh, an experience that I'll remember forever. That's incredible. Absolutely. Um, oh, and actually, you mentioned just now that you're a federal law enforcement organization, but not in the sense that folks might be familiar with. So could you speak a bit about the uniqueness of, of what the Security Protective Service does here at CIA? When I was, when I was first hired, uh, this is not your traditional law enforcement through and through. While we are sworn federal law enforcement officers by going to the Fletzy down in Georgia, when we return, we're, we're really a force protection entity. We want to make sure, like I'd mentioned, those people inside, you know, once they pass through our checkpoint in the morning, they come in and they know they can work in a safe environment. So if that law enforcement authority has to be exercised, we do. But really, we're here to make sure that the people who come past us every day are working in a safe environment. I'm glad that you just said that because I think that's actually a really important point to make. So while our Security Protective Service is a law enforcement entity, the CIA itself is an intelligence, not a domestic law enforcement authority, unlike other agencies like the FBI, which is actually the primary domestic law enforcement agency for the federal government. So SPS's law enforcement authorities are really for the purpose of keeping CIA's facilities and our personnel safe. And, you know, actually they do a, a wide variety of different functions in order to do that. I think you guys helped me jumpstart my car once, I should say. So you're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Did we really? 
Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it was years ago. But I remember <laughs> when you came to the gate and you were like, yeah, I think my car got towed. Oh my God. I was, thinking, oh, I was no. debating whether or not to mention that. On this. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, you, you can cut that out. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it had it been towed a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, you were just in the wrong lot or something? I was out like in Tatooine. Um, and <laughs> yeah, right. I had been in the wrong lot. It was corrected for me and I was put where I belonged in oh, Tatooine okay. out uh, in the, you Tatooine. Know, the, the far reaches. Um, that's okay. It was a nice night. Moon was out. Um, Double moons. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so, so David, can you maybe tell us what the best type of day is being a SPO here at the agency? And then maybe conversely, what a worst day might look like for you? Wow, that's a, that is a loaded question for sure. So <laughs> I mean, yeah. of course, what you yeah. can share. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, the, the best day really looks like, you know, you just... You're, you're working with great people. Like I had mentioned about my time in the military, the people can can make or break you know what you do. We're with these folks for eight plus hours a day. And uh, to be able to keep that, that conversation going with the person to your left and right really makes makes all the difference. So um, even if the weather's gloomy, uh, the weather is, is torturing hot, um, really the, the people make it. So uh, the best day is gonna be, you know, to the left and right of you are, are just solid officers that you know you're going to have a really good shift with. Uh, things are relatively quiet. That's a word we try not to say <laughs> in our profession uh, because Knock once on we wood, do, right, right <laughs> something generally ends up going wrong. Um, but even on the worst day, I would say having those people that you know are going to do the right thing, that you know are going to step up when work needs to get done and they're not going to shy away from it, uh, it can turn what you would think would be the worst day into a, you know, a pretty okay day at the end of it. So we are located here in Langley, Virginia. Um, you have to, at one point, work kind of hand in hand with local police department, fire departments, things like that. Can you maybe speak to that relationship and what that looks like? Here at Langley, we have a super close working relationship with Fairfax County Fire, Fairfax County Police Department, and the U.S. Park Police Service, all within the surrounding area here at Langley. On a case-by-case basis, you know, we're often called to work hand-in-hand with them uh, for response, you know, of things that happen here at Langley, uh, whether that be medical emergencies um, to exercising potentially that, that law enforcement authority that we do have. Um, we'll often call in Fairfax uh, or U.S. Park Police, depending um, where we see fit. And it seems like one of the unique things about the job is actually that it involves an unusual intersection, what I think would be an unusual intersection of international affairs and protective security work. Absolutely. You know, being a security protective officer and just working for the Central Intelligence Agency in general, right, there's a inherent risk that is involved in this type of work. And so we have to keep that in mind. We have to stay up to date on current events, not just here in the United States, but across the globe um, because of the presence and, and kind of what the CIA does. You know, we have to be remain vigilant. We want to make sure that the people that come past us every day, they know they can go and work in their offices and in their environments safely um, to continue to, you know, move the mission forward. It might also be worth noting that you all are unusual for CIA officers in that you have a uniform that you wear every day, which is not something people associate with CIA typically. Yeah. You know, we are a, a completely full functioning, full servicing uniform division of a police department where, you know, we're not a standalone police department where, you know, we're just a small section of, of the larger agency. Um, but we are uniformed. We're identified. Uh, you can point us out in a, in a, in a crowd full of people. Um, and that's ultimately what we want. We want people to know that we're here. We want people to know that we're moving around the compound. We're moving around the campus. And, and when something happens that, you know, we're going to respond in, in a timely fashion. 
I mean, I know I can speak on behalf of almost everybody at the agency that I appreciate knowing that you guys are present, whether it is at the gate, whether it is in the building, just knowing that you're a phone call away should we need you or, you know, a drive up to the to the gate should we need you. I think that's just a reassuring thing, like you said, to allow us to do the jobs we need to do for the mission. So on behalf of everyone, I would say thank you for that. Thank you very much. I can tell you, we really do appreciate it. So, David, uh, as we were saying earlier, you you're still fairly new to the agency. Uh, what have you thought of your experience so far? Is it what you expected? You know, I really didn't know what to expect when I joined That's the fair. agency, and I yeah. feel like most people will probably yeah. have the same uh, consensus. Um, I can say it's been such an incredible opportunity so far, uh, even within the Security Protective Service as a SPO, uh, the opportunities that I've been able to get involved with here at Langley to better serve the populace that we serve um, has really got me involved in a lot of cool stuff. And even sitting here on the Langley files uh, has been truly a treat and something, you know, over a year and a half ago, I never would have fathomed would be the opportunities that, you know, or where I'd be sitting today. So, um, it's been a great experience. It's been a lot of fun. I've been a lot of great people, not just within the Security Protective Service, but in the entire agency. There's stuff I'm learning that we do every day. And once I think I have a grasp on it, someone throws something at me and I'm like, I had no idea that even existed. There you go. And I, I've heard, um, correct me if I'm wrong here okay. though, even though that you haven't been with us very long, you were already nominated and received an award by your managers as one of the top SPOs at the agency. Is that correct? That is correct. How does that make you feel? I mean, when your managers are recognizing you for an accolade like that. You know, it was a little shocking at first, <laughs> um, but it definitely showed me that hard work pays off. I can't keep still. If I see a problem, I want to fix it. Um, and I think it's just good to know that that was recognized uh, and appreciated by uh, the panel of my managers. Dee and I were not consulted, um, but we, we concur. Oh, we, we did. Thank he you. opened it by saying that we concur. You're yeah, well liked right. and respected yeah. by most everyone at the agency. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, so looking ahead, David, um, what are career tracks like for SPOs here at CIA? So there's a plethora of things you can get into, right? The first being you move up the ranks. You can move up where we're similar in the sense of military, where we do have a rank structure. Uh, you'll start off as a basic officer. From there, if you want to move into like a supervisor role, you would move up to sergeant, right, where you're in charge of a shift. You can move up to lieutenant, where you're in charge of you know multiple shifts, and um, you move up the ranks as high as you want. Uh, another route that you can take is moving over to our specialty units. We have uh, fully staffed, fully functioning specialty units such as K9 bomb techs, our chemical biological folks um, that are on call, that are working 24-7 to you know, mitigate and respond to incidents that happen here at Langley. Um, and the last is everything that goes on behind the scenes. As Dee was talking about, you know, the directorate of support, right? All that stuff that goes on behind the scenes to you know, make it happen, um, SPS also has that. So our, our business operations folks, um, anywhere from admin to logistics, ensuring that you know, everything can kind of flow. Um, and let us do that. what we need to do to allow everyone else to do what they need to do. So um, outside of that, you know, there's definitely a, a couple of other career tracks that a lot of SPOs will end up moving into, and that's moving over there to the director's protective staff, um, protecting uh, the director and other principals that are required of us, um, and over to our global response staff, assisting in uh, just a such a unique mission uh, for the agency, as well as our threat management unit, which we work hand in hand with on a daily basis uh, when we respond to calls and things like that. You've listed out now uh, 
various roles that you could possibly move into as a SPO. What about you yourself? Like, what is it that you envision your career to be here at the agency? Now, that is the million-dollar question. Isn't it, though? People ask me that, too, and <laughs> I say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that's just an that's a testament to, you know, what life is like at the agency, right? You're doing one thing one day, and the next day you could be doing something completely different or maybe even just in a different avenue of what you were already doing. So I would say being a year or so with the agency, uh, I'm really not closing any doors. Mm -hmm. Like I'd mentioned, I've, I've learned so much already and I'm learning about opportunities and things that are you know done here at Langley every day. So I think it'd, I'd, it'd be silly if I uh, shut any doors you know, at this point sure. in time. So you're not like a 10 year plan kind of guy? Oh, definitely not. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know. The, uh, the agency is is for sure, you know, where I expect to be, just given all of the opportunities sure. and the benefits and uh, just even within SPS, the cool things that we're able to do and the people we're able to serve. It definitely gives me the warm and fuzzy to, you know, put the uniform back on every day and show up and want to put that best foot forward. Love it. Well put. David, we have to ask, do you have any crazy stories? I feel like everyone wonders whether the Spos have crazy stories. Have you ever seen something strange at 3 a.m.? Supernatural, maybe. Wow, there may be some stories of, uh, you know, ghosts and whatnot at 3 a.m. when all the lights turn out. Um, <laughs> I remember a specific incident that happened not too long ago at the gate. Uh, an individual had driven all the way up from Florida. It was a little unusual. It was late at night. Uh, right as I was about to get off shift. So as it happens, I probably said the Q word and uh, then it happened. And um, quiet, so, quiet being the Q word. That's Knock it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So quiet. Yep. Yeah. thank you. That's going to live with me for the rest of my shift today. <laughs> Never said uh, it. Um, as I'm starting to talk with this individual, something just didn't seem right. And so we're, we're, we're trying to verify his identity. And once we do so, we realize that he's classified as a missing persons. Mm -hmm. And that just, it, it creates a whole different ballpark of what we're working with. It's not, you know, a, a lost motorist. It's not uh, a lost employee. Mm -hmm. uh, we're dealing with something that's a little bit farther beyond our reach, but we're here to help. Mm -hmm. This is what we're going to do. So uh, through collaboration um, with other uh, entities within SPS, and uh, we were able to coordinate and find a family member that resided in the D.C. area. Wow. Um, so we were able to get a hold of her, um, have her come out and essentially, you know, take care of, you know, the individual that we were working with. And I would say after that call, it definitely felt like we had done some good. Doing what we do on a day in, day out basis, like I said, gives me that warm and fuzzy. But after we had, you know, released this individual to his sister, it definitely felt like, you know, we've actually made a larger impact that goes beyond, you know, the Central Intelligence Agency. You closed a missing persons case. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, that's and that's awesome. that's not something that, you know, generally happens all the time. We're just going to problem solve until we come to a, a rational conclusion. And uh, I think in that case, it, it turned out, you know, the best possible outcome. Yeah. It's been excellent talking with you, David. Is there anything that you want to make sure that the public that are listening to this podcast understand about Langley in particular? I would say the biggest thing, uh, speaking to the audience that we have, is that here at Langley, it is, it is not open to the public. Um, while uh, on previous episodes with talking about the CIA Museum and, and its debut, um, as referenced there, right, it's not something that's open to the public. It's going to be open to official visitors and employees only. So if that's something that you're thinking of, uh, we would just strongly recommend viewing the material that's provided online. 
thank you for that and it'll make your your job here much easier so Hopefully. yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i mean wonderful chatting with you david thank you very much for coming on anything you wanted to add there walter this is a dream come true <laughs> you're telling he's, me he's a fan <laughs> we all are david um so again thank you so much for coming on the langley files we appreciate your time yeah we'll be seeing you at the front gate absolutely <laughs> no, it's been a pleasure thank you guys so much for having me awesome thanks he's a really good guy i'm glad we were able to sit down and listen to a little bit about his life here at the agency most definitely a david fan and now let's do some trivia sounds good so the question from our last episode was another World Factbook inspired question. This European country is known for rugged hills and low mountain terrains, where more than 40% of its population resides within 100 kilometers of its capital city. And it is strategically located on major air and sea routes between North America and Europe. What country are we describing? The answer is Ireland, and the capital city referenced is Dublin where approximately 1.27 million people reside, out of approximately 5.3 million in the country. Uh, March was definitely well-timed for a trivia question about Ireland. Indeed it was. And now for this episode's trivia. In our last episode, we spoke with Linda Weisgold about the normal routine of a PDB briefer which, for her, included waking up for work every day at 12.01 a.m. We also referenced the fact that many officers here at the agency do work late hours or overnight shifts. So here's the question. For many years, one particular vending machine here at headquarters provided the fuel many officers needed for their overnight shifts. Our question for you is, what food item do you think that vending machine was known for? I have a feeling that I know this answer, and I think it will likely surprise most of our listeners. Oh, yeah. But they will have to tune in to the next episode to hear that answer. So in the meantime, that's it for today's episode of The Langley Files. Until next time. We'll be seeing you. Hey, David. Uh, why are you still here? Hey, Walter. Do you remember where you parked this morning? Yeah. I guess a better question is, do you know where you're not supposed to park? Also, yeah. Um, call me later? No need to.